Yo, today's QOD is we can do anything with our minds as long as we believe in it. Here we go. Welcome back to the Quote of the Day show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to our Finance Friday episode where we talk about all things money mindset. We've got Rabbi Daniel Lappin on the show. I love the rabbi, as you can tell. Uh, you know, one thing I like to do because I'm a nerd and I love to research stuff is I like to explore cultural values, how different cultures may have different values and how those values line up with particular results. So for example, one culture can have this set of values and they'll have fantastic educational outcomes. They'll have amazing SAT scores. They'll have higher incomes, right? And then another culture will have a different set of cultural values and it's the opposite. They don't have good SAT scores. They're not making a lot of money. The families are broken up, on and on and on and on. And I find it fascinating, you know, in part because, you know, in our society, we talk so much about like race and your skin color, which is valid. But I think we need to spend more time looking at cultural values and what are the end results of those values. And I'm really impressed by Jewish culture. Because that's a people that has been through so much throughout history, but even despite what they've been through, they're crushing it. And a lot of that has to do with what they value, as well as their perception of commerce and making money. This is good stuff. Rabbi Lappin, he's coming up. Yes, I do believe passionately in the business system. Uh, I believe in making money. I do. And I believe in making money because my culture and religious background assures me that in a reasonably free market and in a world of honest transparency in interactions, a world where I don't believe I have to pull a fast one over somebody else in order to make a dollar because I don't think my dollar represents his loss. Uh, In such a world, making money is a certificate of good performance. It's a mark of virtue. That's exactly what it is. And so I began realizing a number of years ago that there was an area of research that needed looking at. And the area of research was very simple, which was why is it that Jews are disproportionately good with money. Now, I realized, of course, that uh, if anybody tried to do this, anyone studied this who was not circumcised, they would be instantly demonized for bigoted anti-Semitism. How dare you even notice that Jews are disproportionately good with money? Well, Jews represent uh, just about 2% of the American population. And in the Forbes 400 list, that means there should be between eight and nine Jews, maybe. 
And there's never fewer than 60, usually closer to 100. Stop that! You know, it doesn't mean there are no poor Jews. It just means Jews are disproportionately good with money. And I realized that if this area of research was going to be done, it would have to be done by me, because I realized this is probably the only field in all of academia where removal of a small piece of skin converts bigotry to research. <laughs> okay, it doesn't have to be that small. I mean, just a piece of skin. All right, there it is. Okay. Um, that, that's what does it. And uh, I thought we need to really study this and understand why is it that Jews have excelled. And I obviously looked at all the, the main uh, myths and theories. Uh, one of them, obviously, is taken from the Oxford English Dictionary, where the word Jew appears as a verb, as in to Jew somebody. And I thought, well, you know, maybe Jews excel because they rip people off all the time. And there's no question about it that feeling free to rip people off all the time is a massive advantage in business for a limited period of time. So um, I studied that and found that, uh, in fact, by the way, I researched particularly through the South. I really enjoyed that. Uh, because I found small town after small town, Natchez was, was one town in the south, uh, where there were Jewish people who had done business with non-Jews in the vicinity for years, decades. The relationships were long and durable and warm and positive, and friendships were part of the business relationships. And I found this to be standard across the country. It's not possible to have long-term friendly relationships with people you're doing business with if the theory and governing principles of those people is rip them off. So I had to reject that theory. And there were a number of other such theories. One of them, of course, is the well-known racial theory that the Cossacks killed off all the poor Jews, leaving the rich ones to pass the money gene down in their sperm. And um, you know, needless to say, uh, modern medical sciences yet fail to identify this mysterious gene. And in any event, if there was such a thing, you wouldn't find the popular phenomenon um, of usually third or fourth generation of wealthy dynasties frittering it away and, and somehow or another uh, being populated by scions and heirs with zero economic capacity whatsoever. So um, the, the, the notion that somehow rich Jews were man managed to save themselves and pass this on, that just made absolutely no sense. And neither, neither did any of the other theories. Leaving only one explanation for why it is that Jews are disproportionately good with money. The primary main explanation has to do with Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister was the first human being in history to run a mile in under four minutes in the year. Oh, good. You are good. Have you noticed that? People who are into economics are into reality. They're people who know things. <laughs> How many, now, I mean, you know, most you go to a college audience, uh, in, nobody knows, May 1954. Anyway, there it is, May 1954, does the mile in four minutes. Anybody know how many people ran the mile in four minutes the next year? Approximately, one, ten, hundred, how many? Yeah, actually a few dozen. And how about in the last five years? Hundreds, right? Thousands probably, I don't know the exact number, but it's, it's limitless. Well, if it's so easy to run a mile in four minutes, there are thousands of people have done it since May 1954. How come nobody did it in January 1954 and they could have got all the fame and fortune? It's one very simple thing. It's the same reason that last year hundreds of people went up Everest 
But when Edmund Hillary and Sherpa Tenzing Norgay did it a year earlier in 1953, it was astounding. Now, I'm not saying I could do it, and I couldn't run a mile in four minutes either, but it's totally doable. You know why? Because we now know that it can be done. That makes all the difference because we are predominantly spiritual creatures with a physical outfit. We are not physical creatures with a spiritual dimension. We are not people with a soul. We are souls with a body. That's how important your mental state is. That's how important it is in health. When people speak about holistic health, we're talking about the ability of the mind to impact the body. Uh, Lewis Thomas writes engagingly about the ability of the human mind to get rid of warts using placebos. It's astonishing. We can do anything with our minds as long as we believe in it. You've got to believe it can be done. You've got to believe it's worth doing. And ladies and gentlemen, the single most important reason why Jews have excelled in business over the years is because they have believed implicitly, without a shadow of a doubt, that making money is in and of itself a good thing. That when you make money, you are de facto doing something good. You do not have to give it away afterwards in order to validate your virtue. You don't have to be the modern equivalent of the ancient pirate who raped and plundered all his life and then built a palace and a church for the bishop to, in order to acquire legitimacy and respectability and prestige in the community. Not like that at all. If you became wealthy and were not a charitable person, you've still done good. It's reprehensible, but you've certainly still done good. And so... For Jews, it's a perfectly natural phenomenon. By the way, I wish what I was saying were true. For all Jews. But, you know, I, I can't mislead you without stating clearly that, unfortunately, somewhere between 60 and 75% of the people who identify as Jews in the United States of America uh, would happily stone me for almost everything I am saying today because they don't believe it. That's one of the reasons that you do not find quite the same level of Jewish entrepreneurship in the community that you used to find a few generations ago. So there have been serious and, 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 and tragic changes, and I'll, I'll probably have a minute or two to sort of explain how and why uh, that has come about. But something, if you, if you think about the generation of Jews that came over and were peddlers, my grandfather, a peddler, in Judaism, an honorable calling, an honorable calling, traveled from town to town, welcomed wherever he went. Now, today, most people think, peddler, you're going to knock on somebody's door, you, they, you're bothering them, you're disturbing them, that's, that's not what used to happen to Grandpa Lappin. They used to like it when he used to knock on the door. So, I will give you through a Jewish lens what life was like for Grandpa Lappin, and I'll save all the disappointments, and I'm going to compress a long and grueling day into the next 60 seconds, but Grandpa Lappin would knock on the door of a house, and the lady would come to the door, and he'd say, hi, do you have anything here you don't need? And she'd say, well, we've got a sort of table. We've replaced our dining room table. We've got an old table downstairs. We're getting rid of that. He says, really, how are you getting rid of it? She says, the city's coming by to pick it up on Wednesday. 
He says, do they do it for free? She says, no, of course not. They're going to charge $5. He says, I'll tell you what, you help me load it on my, uh, my wagon or my truck here, and um, I'll give you $5. She says, well, that's a deal. They load it up on the wagon, and Grandpa Lappin trundles off with their table. At this point, if we did a quick financial statement on this family, they are better off by how much? $10. Okay. On most campuses, they say five. And um, so uh, this is fun. Um, so, Grandpa Lappin stops at the hardware store, spends a dollar and some paint and a few nails, knocks on the next house. Again, I'm leaving out all the people that weren't home and the people who didn't want anything. We're just moving along quickly here. Knocks on the next house. I say, hey, anybody here want a table? And the woman says, well, just a moment. My daughter's getting married in two weeks' time. Agatha? Agatha comes around and says, uh, do you need a table? She says, well, we're actually going to buy a table at Ethan Allen. My grand grandpa laughs and says, how much are you going to pay for it? She says, $20. He says, well, I got one on my wagon. You can have for $10. Now, mind you, it had some scratches and one leg was loose, but I put some nails in, gave it a new coat of paint. She says, let me take a look at it. She comes out and takes it. She says, yeah, this will do for a starter table. And they carry the table in and they give Grandpa Lappin $10. Now, how much better off does the financial statement of the second family show they are? Also $10. So now we're better off on aggregate. The village is better off by $20. Well, no, you forgot the dollar in the till of the hardware store. And you've also forgotten the arbitrage. How much has Grandpa Lappin got in his pocket? $4. Still. And uh, there's always somebody in an audience, not an audience like this, but at a university audience, there's usually somebody who thinks this is smoke and mirrors and that I've somehow played fast with, with, the, with the figures here. Um, I haven't. It's very, very simple. I'm about to give you the finest economic definition of one of the most successful companies on the internet that made money from day number one I'm referring to, eBay. The best definition of eBay is 70,000 grandpa Lappins working simultaneously. <laughs> That's all it is. It's the greatest peddler in the world. All it does is finds people who want to rather get some money instead of the uh, whatever it is that they've got sitting in their garage. So they're better off at the end of that transaction. And then it finds somebody who wants to give money in exchange for that particular thing because it's exactly what they want and it makes them better off. And guess what? There's an arbitrage. eBay's got a few dollars in their pocket as well, just like Grandpa Lappin. That's how it works. And so there is this deep conviction that by engaging in commerce, you're doing something good and you're doing something wonderful and you're doing something helpful for people. And so it was no surprise to Grandpa Lappin and to his descendants that when he knocked on the door to offer a transaction, people responded warmly and enthusiastically because somehow mysteriously, after he had passed through, everybody felt better off because they actually were. Exactly so. When you do something for another human being, and there is an exchange that takes place, everybody is better off. That is not a hard thing to understand. And this thing is rooted within the morality of the biblically-based Judeo-Christian system. And that's why it is, both in the Lord's language, which is Hebrew, was well known to most of the founders of our country, 
was well known to most of the colonial clergymen, one of whom Cotton Mather used to refer to Yale as our New England Beit Midrash. Beit Midrash is the Hebrew word for uh, house of study. They were very, very familiar with these texts, very familiar. And I do believe that had a lot to do with the United States of America becoming the world's greatest engine of prosperity and freedom. You don't really have to say prosperity and freedom for people in the know, because people in the know know those two always go together. That was Rabbi Daniel Lappin wrapping up the week on a Finance Friday. His website is RabbiDanielLappin.com. I highly recommend you read his book. It is called Thou Shall Prosper, 10 Commandments for Making Money. Excellent book. Highly recommended. Also, you can check out today's entire talk on YouTube. It is called What is Morally Right About Economic Freedom? Daniel Lappin. All right, my friend, that is it for me. I hope you enjoyed this week's QODs, and I hope you tune in next week. I will see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. I am out. Peace. 